Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. You know, I want to thank everybody who covered for me last week. I was out last week. Um, man, thank you, Tom, for, for making the music happen, and Rick for preaching. And uh, everybody else, David and, and everybody, uh, whoever I called and whoever stepped in, who I don't even know about because y'all come together. I think that's awesome. Um, it wasn't really fun. I, I got a really bad sinus thing going on and it, it wasn't fun. But I got to tell you, I kind of feel almost like I had a vacation. <laughs> I actually just got to sit there. I mean, it, I wasn't feeling great, but God was with me. You know what I mean? I'm sitting there and, 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 uh, I'm too tired to even look at stupid stuff on the phone or watch YouTube or anything like that. I'm just sitting there. Can't really sleep, but I'm just sitting there awake and I'm just, I'm listening to God. I mean, come on, we need to do that. You know, the church should not be the only time that we sit here in his presence. We need to do that every day or every week or have a time somehow regular in our lives where we go and we quiet ourselves before him. We need that. And I remembered how much I really, really need that. So I feel, you know, I, I think I probably sound a little, a little like I have something still down here. I apologize for that. I feel so much better, but uh, I do feel refreshed. I feel like I've spent time in that secret place. You know what I mean? Psalm 91.1 in the King James Bible, what does it say? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There's a place where you get to go and be alone with God called the secret place. Last week I talked about, um, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount where it said how you should give and how you should act when you're fasting and when you're praying, you know. And, and in the King James Bible, it said, I preach out of the ESV a lot. Um, but in the King James Bible, it words it just a little bit different. Listen, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, what's he say to do? Go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And then he, your father is in the secret place. This is an invitation for us to come into the secret place. This isn't a drudgery. This isn't another rule for us to follow or something like that. He's saying, don't worry about, you know, the Pharisees, they were all about the appearance and they were good at it too. They knew how to stand there just right, lift their hands to heaven, you know, in such a perfect way, you know, all motion starts from the shoulder, right? Or whatever, you know, and they could stand there and they could put on their drama, their, their theater. It was theater. And they looked so holy and they looked so good while they were doing it. But Jesus said, they're play actors and they're good play actors, but they're play actors. And he says, don't be a play actor. I want you to really come into the secret place where your father is and spend time with your father. You know, it's amazing to me. I mean, I was down for a few days and, and uh, I'm just surprised that the whole world just kept going on without me just fine. I, I don't get that because I'm so busy. I think I've got to do all these things to keep everything going. But come on, you have got time to come away and spend time with God because you'll do more just 10 minutes in God's presence. 
You'll have more accomplished in your life than you will just trying to run around and do everything all by yourself in your own strength. You will. Come on, let's let God be God. He's God. Let him be God. So it's an invitation to experience this reality that's supposed to be in our lives as Christians. This tangible, last time I preached, I talked about the tangibility of the spirit. It's touchable. It can be, it can be assessed and discerned because it's real. It's just spiritual. Spiritual things are real things. Amen. It's spiritual. So we're not here, you know, to, to have an outward show like the Pharisees. We're here to have this living connection with God. But if we give ourselves just to the outward show, if we give ourselves to the play acting, to the appearances, what we're going to do is we're going to trap ourselves in that world. And we're going to create all kinds of work for us to maintain our appearance and how people look on the outs, look at us externally. And we're going to not have time to enter into that secret place that God has for us. Man, I'm done with external stuff. Are you? I want to enter into that secret place. I want to be with God. I want to be in God's face. And then I want to go out and minister from the perspective of somebody who has been with God. Right? Remember when the disciples were standing before the Sanhedrin, speaking words of wisdom from God. And they said, they, they looked at him and they, could, they knew, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. We need to be with Jesus. Amen? So he invites us to the secret place. So... Today is going to be week seven. Going to be talking about the kingdom of God, the system of the kingdom versus the world system that's out there. I do want to let you know this too. Next week, um, next week, uh, my, my father and his wife, who are ministers out in uh, Missouri, we're going, they're going to be in town. And, uh, cause my son's having his birthday next week. So they're coming and for his birthday. <coughs> and I've, I've asked, uh, Sandy to go ahead and preach Sunday. Uh, I always get such good feedback from you guys whenever they share. And so she'll, I'm not sure if she'll be sharing about their ministry, what they do, or just bringing us a word. I don't know. I'm kind of like, you're in the hands of God. Whatever you bring, we trust you. But, uh, I hope that everybody can come and support that. I think that'll be, be a, a great time. I'm looking forward to having them. But today I want to talk about, um, the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 6. You know, a big part of, ask, ask, ask me how I know that Rin Kim has been wanting me to get our house in order, like, like, um, you know, build things and organize things and shelves and closets and closet systems. She's got a list. I'm telling you guys, she's, she's got a, a list. You know, a part of bringing structure and order into your life is, is to arrange things, right? to separate things from one another, group them together, put everything where it goes. I was thinking about this, and you know, if you go back and you read the creation narrative from Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and you read down there, and you know, it, there's a lot of stuff that happens there in a week. There's a lot of stuff that happens in a chapter. But you know, <clears throat> not everything that's happening is him making something new. A lot of what's going on there is he's ordering things. He's separating things. The first thing he does is he separates the light from the darkness. He separates them. And that's what made day and night. Then he separated day and night, it said. When he made the, uh, the heavens, it didn't say he made something new at that point. What he did was he separated the waters above from the waters below. And there was this great expanse. And he called the expanse sky or heaven. 
He was separating things. He was organizing things. Isn't that interesting? He separated the land from the water. He gathered all the land together in one place. He didn't make land at that point. He had already made it. But now he gathers it in one place and he's organizing it. And he calls the dry land land and the waters is called the seas, right? See, there's a lot of structure and organization. There's divisions and separations that, that he uses to organize the creation. He gave each thing its place and he said, this is good. Oh, yeah, I like this. This is good. This is how I'm going to make it work. It's good. These structures, these orders, these divisions that he's placed in creation, think about it. They're the things that mark the day and night that allows us to mark time, seasons, days, weeks, years, right? It allows us to have dry land and, and uh, it gives us our 24-hour cycle, if you will, of, uh, you know, that makes life even possible on this planet. And, you know, spiritually speaking, God also divides things, separates things. And we would do, we would do well in our lives to recognize those separations that he's made and find our place in what he's doing, spiritually speaking, right? If it works in creation, if it works in your income's house, if it works in God's creation, it'll work in spiritual ways too. So, you know, today, we, we like to help people separate things and group them together. You know what I mean? We like to do the thinking for people so that they can understand, so we can help them make the nice kind of decisions. Do you know what I mean? Let me give you an example. If you, has anybody ever said to their kids, you know, listen to me, you are going to do what I say, or you're going to be grounded until you're 40. Anybody ever say that to a kid? Right. See, what I've done is I've taken all the information they need to know, and I've reduced it down into an either-or decision. You're going to do this, or you're going to be grounded until you're 40. Why? Because I want you to respond in a certain way, right? So I make this thing called a dichotomy, where it's all this or all this. There's no, there's no in-between here, okay? You don't need to think about other options for your life. This is what I'm giving you. These are your choices, all right? Nice and clean, right? Hey, come out, come on out with us tonight. Yeah, come with me tonight. We're going to go out and hang out. No, I don't want to go with you tonight. Okay, let me help you understand. You can either go with me tonight or you can stay home and be bored for the rest of your life. See, two choices, clean, right? Come with me now or be bored forever. No, don't talk to me about a third choice. Like, you know, maybe you actually want to be home or have something else to do besides be with me. No, you were going to go. And if you don't, this is, is, I'm making a separation for you so you can understand, right? Can anybody ever say to their teenage kid, look, you can either go to college or you could be poor for your whole life. Either go to college or be poor the rest of your life. I've heard that said, right? No, don't talk to me about other options, about making money or starting businesses or getting a career or something like, no, no, these are your choices. You're going to go to college or you're going to be poor. <laughs> we like to reduce these these things down, don't we? Just so everybody can understand, right? And then when they get to college, when they get to college, they tell them, you either believe in God or you believe in science. Come on, see how, isn't it great how we help people think and come to these conclusions? Yeah. Politicians, boy, they're not without those either, right? You either believe, you either, you either, if you like the environment, if you don't, how, if you don't like the, don't care about the environment, then don't vote for me. But if you care about the environment, you're going to vote for me. 
<laughs> Why? Because if you don't vote for me, obviously you don't care about the environment. If you love freedom, you're going to vote for me. You're going to support our cause. All right? They always give us these choices, these separations. They do it. See, they do the thinking for us. Isn't that nice? That they do the thinking for us. In the study of logic, these are all examples of what we call a false dichotomy. It's when we take all this stuff, all the information, and we boil it down and we separate it into two choices, when in fact, there are way more than two choices, right? Maybe I care about the environment, but I, I'm not going to vote for you anyway, right? Maybe I believe in God because I've looked at the science. Maybe I see God's fingerprints in all the creation. Maybe I'll go to college or maybe I'll take some time and pray and see what God has for me. There, there are many choices out there. And the world always wants to take them down into a, an either or, present you a false dichotomy so that why they can control you and steer you a specific direction. And everybody does it. I mean, from parents all the way up to politicians, of course. But you know, there are real dichotomies. There are real either or choices. And when Jesus was standing there speaking or sitting there, however he was, and he was giving us the Sermon on the Mount, and when he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. He wasn't, get, he wasn't giving us this rhetoric like we give each other. He was saying something that is absolutely true. Nobody can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Then he says, you cannot serve God and money. Like I said, he's not given this rhetoric that we give to one another. But what he's doing for us is he is separating, serving God from serving the world, serving the things of the kingdom with serving the things of the, the wealth of this world. He's drawing that line. Just like he separated the light and the darkness at creation, now he's separating serving God from serving the world. Serving the kingdom versus serving worldly wealth. You know, you can't have day and night at the same time. You just can't. Day and night doesn't happen together, right? Night doesn't happen till day's done. And then when night's done, day comes back around, right? You can't have day and night at the same time. And you can't serve the things of God and you can't serve the things of this world at the same time. The systems don't mix together. They're what you call mutually exclusive. They don't overlap. They don't intermingle. When day is done, night comes. When night is done, day comes. They don't mix. And when you're going to serve God, you're not going to serve the things of the world. And if you're going to serve the things of the world, no matter how much you say you love him, you're not serving God. A servant can't have two masters. A slave can't have two owners. And you can't be a slave to money and the slave to God at the same time. You know, whenever you buy a piece of property, if anybody, when you go and buy your house, you know, you have to pay this extra money to do a title search. I was like, why do I have to do a title search? Isn't it a legal deed? You know, like, well, you want to make sure. 
And they go back in the history of that title and they look and they follow it and they make sure it's changed hands properly each time. They make sure there's no liens on the property. They make sure that every time it changed ownership, it properly conveyed to the new owner. Why? Because you don't want to get caught up in a fraud buying a piece of property that you can't technically own, right? It's it's worth the money. But you know, when God bought you, the Bible says you're not your own. You're bought with the price. When he bought you, he wanted you with no liens on it. Nothing in this world to have a piece of you. He wants you free and clear. Because things of this world will act like they own you. (laughs) They will. You know they will. They'll boss you around. Come on. Money will tell you what to do, man. (laughs) Money will expect you to work all night, work all weekend. (laughs) Tell you what to do and expect to be obeyed. It's, money is a pretty, pretty, pretty harsh taskmaster. Expect you to stay up all night and pursue it as if it were the highest good. So money does. It never ends. It's never satisfied. But God's not willing to share you. If you're going to follow him, you're not free to pursue the things of this world. No one can serve two masters, he said. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Listen, therefore, because of this, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Oh, can you see the freedom in this? Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food or the body more than clothing? Now he's breaking it down even farther, isn't he? He's getting specific. He's saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your food or your clothes. If you look closely here, he's breaking it down and separating even more. He's giving us another dichotomy. He's separating, listen, he's separating life that you have, that he's given you. He's separating life from the things that we all think we need to have life. (laughs) He's making that separation. That's a pretty fine separation, isn't he? And he's saying, don't choose these things that you think you need to have life. Choose life. Come on, is God not ultimately the source of life? Come on, seek him. Seek your source of life. Life is more than food, he says, and the body is more than clothing. That doesn't make a lot of sense to our natural thinking. It just doesn't. I mean, even I'm saying it, and I'm saying it in the authority of the word of God, and it's like, yeah, but, yeah, but it doesn't always make sense because our minds, why? Our minds are perfectly programmed to work and interface with this world, right? That's why we have a mind. But he's asking us to live out of our hearts toward him. This structure that Jesus is bringing us, and if, if we'll recognize it and, and cooperate with it, things will go a lot smoother for us. Do you know that this is the key to a stress-free, stress-free, anxiety-free life? Anybody like anybody like a stress-free life? 
I don't know. Sometimes I, I know we're just as addicted to the pace, to anxiety, to, 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 to action, to be in there feeling like we're doing something. I've known people, man, and, uh, they start, they start a project and they love just getting caught up in the fury of activity, man. It's like, let's, let's get busy here. Let's go buy these things. Let's get structured and organized. And by the time we're done with the first week, man, we have everything we need from Office Depot hanging on the wall, calendars. We're organized, but we haven't done a thing yet. <laughs> I'm not saying organization's bad, but don't mistake it for actually getting the work done. You know what I mean? Because there's something that God wants us to have. He wants us to have life. And there'll be times and there'll be seasons when we'll be in the fury of activity, no doubt. But let's stay focused and let's stay centered on the life that he has, that connection that he has with us. So what's the key to a stress-free and anxiety-free life? Look at verse 31. Skip on down in Matthew chapter 6. And he says, don't be anxious about it. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? See, this is the source of anxiety, worrying about these things that we need for our bodies and for our lives. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? And he says, don't be anxious saying these things. The Gentiles all seek these things. Everybody in the world, the nations are seeking these things. But what? Your heavenly father knows you need them. Your heavenly father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. Man, this is the stress-free life right here. God's telling us that we should be free from the anxious cares of this life. And really, I don't believe that this means that we're not supposed to have a job, okay? I worked with the guy one time. And uh, he was so funny. He was, I was so thrilled because I found another Chris, Christian in this place where I work. Not only was he a Christian, he was a faith man, man. He was quoting the scriptures and he's a faith man. It was good. <clears throat> but he took a few things a little too far. And one day he told me he was redeemed from the curse of work. <laughs> I was like, really? Because it looks like you're working <laughs> to me. He's like, no, I'm redeemed from the curse of work. And I don't think God's telling us that we're not going to have a job, okay? Don't believe that at all. But I think that uh, uh, what it means is if, if we do these things for the kingdom, if we seek first the kingdom, if we put the kingdom first, the job we have, the career we have, it will be a vocation. It will be a calling. And we'll do it because it's what we're called to do, not out of some kind of anxious necessity. Do you know what I'm saying? What a blessing it is when your work is your calling. And you can shine your light in your workplace. You know, we are praying for Jackie's students. What a blessing it is to have her planted there. I mean, it's a job, yeah, but come on, can you not tell just by spending time and knowing her heart that it's a ministry? It's a ministry. She's, she's there for a purpose. God planted her there, and he's using it to meet the, her needs so she can get that awesome red car or whatever. I mean, praise God. God is good. God's a good God, isn't he, Jackie? <laughs> but, but still, it, you're, you're, let, let your, what you do every day be your ministry and let God meet your needs. Now, and they might look the same. Come, that's how the world kind of works. God's not, not against that at all. But don't put the value on the work that I have to do this because I have to have money, because I have to have things, because I have to, I have to, I have to. 
Make your priority the kingdom of God. What we're supposed to do is separate the value that with the value, see this word value, the value that we place on the kingdom and the value that we place on things. We need to separate that and place our value on things of the kingdom. Amen? So then Jesus gives us two examples. He talks about the birds and he talks about the lilies. And he says, look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. You'll never hear that as a part of an offering message, will you, Rick? (laughs) Never. That will not be part of an offering message. And he says, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not more valuable than the birds? You know, Jesus would spend hours out there in the wilderness praying, being in that secret place with his Father. Undoubtedly, he must have watched the birds out there soaring up on the slopes. Going up the, I love going to Cumberland Gap. We go to Cumberland Gap a couple times a year, either to just hike or sometimes camp with David and Mary. And, and uh, sometimes Rin, Kim, and I, we just drive up just to drive up the pinnacle and just look over the Powell Valley. It's gorgeous. And I always, when I'm up there, I always let's take some time, stand there and looking over the, the mountainside and just watching those birds, man, so effortlessly. Just, they don't, they're not even flapping, you know what I mean? Their wings are spread and they're just catching those currents coming up the side of the mountain. And they're just going up and down and up and down. They're carefree. They don't have to wake up and to an alarm clock and punch a time clock and go work all day long. They're doing what God made them to do. And God says, Jesus says, your father is the one who's taking care of them and feeding them. I care about the birds. When they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, I take care of them. When you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, God will take care of you too. Just don't be anxious for these things that the world is anxious about. Like I said, he's not telling us to all quit our jobs. But we're supposed to find value in what he made us to be. What he made you to be. That's where you find your value. The birds were made to soar freely. You were made for the kingdom. So he continues in verse 27. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious for clothing? Consider the lilies. I'm one of those people who aren't too anxious for clothing. You guys need to thank Rinkim. Because as long as I have Rinkim, at least I have jeans without holes in them, okay? (laughs) But he says, why are you anxious for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? (laughs) My mom was an artist and she used to paint flowers. And when she first learned, she would, you know, just copy, get those books and copy the patterns and the colors and copy somebody else's work. But after she got good at it, she started doing her own. And she would always be studying flowers. She would go out and she would look and she would look at the detail on a flower. She'd take these pictures. She'd have all these pictures of these flowers close up. And she'd look at the color and she'd look at the texture. And put that, put that other one up. 
there, there you go. You see that? That's, that's, that's a picture from Israel. That's the lilies growing out there. Aren't they beautiful? That's what Jesus is talking about when he's, he's preaching. He says, look at, look at the lilies. I mean, they may, maybe were even in bloom. There's different ones that bloom throughout the year. And he says, look at this. Look at the lilies. Look how this grass, I mean, this is grass. These lilies, I mean, they're one step away from just being crushed. I mean, they're so fragile, right? And then you know what you do with grass. You want to pick the grass and you're going to use it to put in your oven. You want to bake it, put it in the fire. You know, it's just grass. Yet God cares so much that he wanted this grass to be beautiful. Go to that next one. Just look at the detail on a flower, man. Every texture, every petal. The, look at the level of detail that he uses to make sure everything is just in place. Why? So that the grass looks good. If he cares about making the grass look good, don't you think he'll take care of you? Why would we think that the grass is more valuable than a kingdom son or daughter? Come on, he'll take care of you. So Jesus is giving us these images. But what, so what's he doing when he's saying, look at the birds, look at the grass? He's actually giving us the freedom to abandon ourselves in pursuit of him. That's what he's saying. You don't have to worry. Pursue me. Pursue my father. Spend time in the secret place. I'll take care of you. Look at the things that your father, your father is taking care of. How much more will he take care of you? Oh, you of little faith. <laughs> Go up to Matthew chapter, or, or stay in Matthew six, but go up to verse nineteen. He says, "Don't stay for, uh, don't don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven." See, this is kind of <coughs> he's starting about before this whole conversation. He's talking about not pursuing the treasures of the world, right? I just wanted to kind of come back to it. But he says, if you put your treasures in heaven, moth or nor rust destroy, thieves won't break in and steal. Listen, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's giving us the freedom and saying, look at the birds, look at the lilies to put your heart 100% into the kingdom. That's what he's saying to do. Don't worry about it. You give God your heart. You put your heart into the kingdom of God. You put your life into pursuing God and pursuing righteousness. I'll make sure you have the right job. I'll make sure you have clothes. I'll make sure you're in a place where you can eat. I've put these things in your life. I've planned it for the birds. I've planned it for the grass. I'll work it out in your life too. Just come spend time with me. Come pursue me. Come and pursue the kingdom of God. Just like in that first creation, he separated light from darkness. Here he's now separating heaven and earth in order to show everybody that you are people of heaven, not people of this earth. He's showing us that we can be free to go after the things of heaven wholeheartedly, even while we are living right here in this world. Come on, that's good, isn't it? Verse 31, then go back to 31. He says, therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly father, he knows you need them. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. This seems to be like the climax, the pinnacle of the whole thing. Seek first the kingdom 
Seek first his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. You know, Jesus was talking about King Solomon. You know, King Solomon was the richest man in Israel's history, the richest king ever. Do you remember how he got that way? Remember how he got rich? See, after his father died, Solomon stepped up and secured himself as king. And do you know what the first thing Solomon did? One of the first things he did as the new king is he went up to where the tabernacle of the Lord was pitched and he went and he offered a thousand burnt offerings, a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord. It was a big offering. And and when you read it, it says in Second Chronicles chapter 1, Verse seven, it says, that night God appeared to Solomon. So the way that reads, it almost, it sounds to me like this wasn't something he did for a month. He did a thousand in a day, man. That's a lot of, that's a lot of slaughtering going on right there. Thousand burnt offerings all going up. The smell of that going up to heaven, honoring God as the new king. He, first thing he does, he goes up and he submits himself before the people to God and offers a thousand burnt offerings to God. And it says that God actually appeared to him that night and he said to him, ask what I shall give you. (laughs) Could you imagine God showing up to you one night tonight and say, hey, ask, what should I give you? Come on, what would you pick? What would you say? Because your answer right here reveals your heart. Right? What you say will reveal. Will you ask for wealth, money, dominance over your competitors? You know? You ask for that promotion. Oh God, give me some money so I can serve you. <laughs> that's 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 my prayer. <laughs> but that's not what Solomon's prayer was. He didn't worry about the things. What Solomon said was this: ask, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David, my father, and you have made me king in his place. Oh, Lord God, let your word to David, my father, now be fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? See, Solomon's answer showed his heart. He wasn't just trying to be the smartest man there ever was. He didn't say, oh, God, make me the smartest man ever so I can brag about being the smartest man ever. No, his heart was towards the people. He said, give me wisdom and knowledge so that I can govern your people, so that I can serve your people. His mind was actually on seeking first the kingdom of God as best as he understood the kingdom of God to be. And God answered Solomon and he said, listen to this, because this was in your heart, you have not asked for possessions, wealth or honor or the life of those who hate you. You've not even asked for long life, but you've asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge then are granted to you. And I will also, somebody say also, also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings who had been, who had, who were before you, and none after you shall have the like. I will also give you these. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you as well. Also, come on, there's great blessing in the also. 
great blessing in the also, but the heart has got to be right before God. The heart has got to be in pursuit of God. The heart and the mind has got to be looking after kingdom things, not the things of this world. And just remembering a guy, I got to work for a little while in, in radio. I loved broadcasting. I studied broadcast engineering and I had a little gig at a small station where I, I got to do a lot of the, um, I did a Sunday morning program, a Christian music program on Sunday morning, but it wasn't a Christian station. And I got to do a lot of engineering and different things. And it was a, it was a great experience for me. And I remember the guy who did our morning show, he was a Christian, but you wouldn't know it. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't, uh, live as a Christian. And I remember talking in a conversation with him one day. It's like, you know, so, you know, I think we should be a Christian station is what I said. He's like, Oh, no, no, no. I mean, we need to reach people. And he starts talking as if he's living a life to reach people. I'm like, how are you going to reach people? He's like, Oh, I'm going to be so big and so famous that people will like me. And then when they find out I'm a Christian, they'll also be a Christian too. <laughs> It's not really how it works, is it? His heart was seeking the things of this world. He was seeking his own promotion. He was seeking his own glory. He wasn't seeking the kingdom. He wasn't laying down his life for anything. He's saying, God, bless me. Bless my efforts. Bless my pursuit. Bless me. And then, yeah, I'll tell people, I'll tell people I'm a Christian then. Oh, come on. If you won't confess them now while you have nothing, you won't confess them while you have everything especially if there's a threat at losing what you've achieved. I don't know whatever happened to him, but I just remember him as I'm reading this. We need to pursue the things of God wholeheartedly and let God make, let God be God. Come on, let God decide what kind of food you need to eat. Come on, he's good. You go to his house, he's going to serve you some good food. He just is. If he picks out your clothes, man, He'll probably even pick out better clothes than my wife picks out. He'll take care of you. He can be trusted. And every day you and I are given Solomon's choice. Why? Because every day we can take the things that he's given us already, the things that are in our hand right now, and we can either pursue the kingdom or we can pursue the world. Every day. Every day God is saying to us, what do you want? Because what you want, you will pursue. And what you pursue and what you seek, you will find. And that's what you'll have. And he's saying, I'm offering you the kingdom. I'm offering you the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. He's gonna, How are you going to spend your time today, he'll say. How are you going to spend those resources you have? Not the time that you're going to have after you get all this big project done. Not the money that you're going to have when after you get all this, you know, big, big opportunity accomplished. The, mo the money you have right now, the time you have right now, the resources that you have in your hand today. That's what he's asking. What are you going to spend that on today? I'm, I'm offering you the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. All of these things will be given to you. And what does it mean to seek his right? Let me just, in closing, let me talk about this. We, we read that and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The word righteousness really just means, especially in this context, doing the right thing. 
That's what righteousness ultimately means. Uh, because of, of the way we do theology and the way Paul writes in the book of Romans, we talk about a righteousness from God that is kind of given to us, granted to us, not on account of our works, okay? But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about seeking to do the right thing by the kingdom. It has a lot to do with the kingdom lifestyle, kingdom living. There's a way that we respond to God in the kingdom. Uh, one of the theologians I like, he calls it covenant faithfulness. That's how he interprets righteousness. See God's covenant faithfulness. And see, we should have covenant faithfulness too, because we're in the kingdom of God. I'm in covenant with him. The faithfulness, how I live doing the right thing day after day is, is what I'm supposed to be seeking. I'm supposed to be seeking the lifestyle of the kingdom. So he's speaking of the kingdom life. He's speaking of the way to live in the kingdom. Because we're called to be a supernatural people. We're a spiritual people. But as long as we're giving our value and seeking first the natural things of this world, those things that everybody chases after, we're never going to enter into the fullness of life that is there for us in the kingdom of God the supernatural life, the good life. And it's a choice. That's what I'm saying. When he says, he said to Solomon, what do you want me to give you? Solomon had a real choice right there. Solomon could have said anything he wanted to at that point. He could have asked for a giant Slurpee and God would have gave it to him because God meant it. Sometimes we read these stories as if, you know, there's like next level stuff because of the way people preach them, predestination and things so heavily. We don't realize this is really God coming to a man and saying, what do you want? What's in your heart? I will do it for you in response to that offering that he gave him. What do you want? And it's a choice. And I think as the band, can I get the band to come forward and just get a song ready? Um, as they're making their way up here, I just want to say God's given us that choice as well. God would just ask us to choose. What do you want? I'm offering you the kingdom. I'm offering you a relationship with me that's real and tangible, that's born and developed in the secret place. Or you can pursue the things of the world and you can let money and wealth and places to live and food to eat, you can let that be your boss. And like I said, it'll make you wake up. It'll make you punch that clock. It'll make you work all night, work all weekend because it'll never be satisfied. And again, I want to just be clear. I'm not saying that we're not going to have jobs and we're not going to go and answer emergency calls when we need to. I, I don't want to act like that. that. That'd be kind of silly. But I'm not going to give value to pursuing the things that the world wants me to pursue. I'm going to give value in pursuing God. I'll find my value in pursuing things of the Lord. Amen. So I just, I'm just, we've prayed for needs already. I just want to go ahead and just worship the Lord for a minute or two as Tom sings this song and just 
let God speak to you. Let God be God in your life. Let him speak to you. Let him fine tune you. Some of you guys are running in the path that he has for you and you're shining and that's awesome. Some of you may be praying about making transitions or changes. Listen to him. He, he knows what to do. He's God. He is God. But regardless of where we find ourselves in life, we can all remember, like I did when I got sick, to stay, to spend time in that secret place, to live in that secret place, to have time where I can, my heart can just listen to him, listen to his heart. Where, where my mind can just be free to pursue the things of God rather than all the emergencies that are always around you just demanding your attention. Let's just find our strength in that secret place as we worship here this morning.